0: From Church on Morgan, a United Methodist congregation whose desire is to be a reminder of the beauty of God and each other. This podcast is a collection of Sunday teachings inspired by the Revised Common Lectionary and recorded weekly in Raleigh, North Carolina. And now a moment of silence before this episode begins. Last weekend, I was away with uh, our friend's um, holy family uh, church in Houston, Texas, but we were actually hanging out in Austin during all the South by Southwest craziness, which was a lot of fun. And on our first night, I was meeting with um, the uh, lay leadership of that church. Our friend Jacob Breeze opened us in a time of prayer prayer. And he did so by telling us this story, and I shared it with our Bible class this week, but it's too good, I can't get over it. And I I thought it felt appropriate for this morning. But as we were sitting there in this living room, and all of us had kind of, I'd flown in, others had driven in that day, we'd all kind of assembled in this Airbnb and figured out who had what bedroom and all of that, right? Uh, He said, maybe you've heard this story before about um, the Sherpas who were leading a bunch of travelers through the mountains. And uh, they have been going all day, climbing mountains, descending, climbing, descending, climbing, descending. And then at a certain part of the day, kind of late in the day, all of a sudden, all of the Sherpas just sat down together uh, right there on the path in the middle of uh, the way, right? And the folks who were traveling with these Sherpas kind of looked at each other and like, did we miss it? Like, what was, I I didn't see this on the agenda. What's going on? Uh, Does anybody know why they're seated? Uh, should we take a seat? And so one of them bravely sort of asked the Sherpa and said, Hey, uh, what's the deal with you all taking a seat? What is this all about? And the Sherpa replied to the traveler and his friends and just said, uh, Well, our bodies have been traveling all day long. And so we thought we would stop and sit and give our souls a chance to catch up. Uh, th- this might be your story this week, this morning, this weekend. Uh, And so before we just rush into the scriptures, uh, I invite you to take a few moments here in the quiet and give your soul a chance to catch up with your body. Let's do that together now. Now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. This morning's scripture lesson before us comes from the prophet Ezekiel, 37th chapter. And we'll be looking at the first 14 verses, uh, this beautiful and haunting text. Uh, but would you hear now the word of the Lord? And Ezekiel writes that the Lord's power overcame me, And while I was in the Lord's spirit, He led me out, and He set me down in the middle of a certain valley. It was full of bones. He led me through them all around, and I saw that there were a great many of them on the valley floor, and they were very dry. And he asked me, human one, can these bones live again? And I said, Lord God, only you know he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the Lord's word. The Lord God proclaims to these bones, I am about to put breath in you and you will live again. I will put sinews on you, place flesh on you and cover you with skin. When I put breath in you and you come to life, you will know that I am the Lord. I prophesied just as I was commanded, and there was a great noise as I was prophesying, then a great quaking, and and the bones came together, bone by bone. When I looked, suddenly there were sinews on them, and flesh appeared, and then they were covered over with skin, but there was still no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, human one, say to the breath, the Lord God proclaims. Come from the four winds' breath. Breathe into these dead bodies and let them live. I prophesied just as he commanded me. And when the breath entered them, they came to life and they stood on their feet, an extraordinarily large company. he said to me, human one, these bones are the entire house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up. And our hope has perished, and we are completely finished. So now prophesy and say to them, the Lord God proclaims, I'm opening your graves. I will raise you up from your graves, my people, and I will bring you to Israel's fertile land. You will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, my people. I will put my breath in you, and you will live. I will plant you on your fertile land and you will know that I am the Lord. I've spoken and I will do it. This is what the Lord says. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, Ezekiel, um, he is a strange bird. Uh, And if you want to read some wild literature in the scriptures, I, I commend this book to you. But he was a prophet. And God used him in powerful ways to get the attention of God's people. But he finds himself living out his call in a really difficult season in the life of Israel. Uh, He's writing in response to their own experience of exile. Uh, They they had entered the promised land. They had received the fulfillment in the promise, everything that God had for them. Life was great. They turned away from God, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and ultimately it ends up in kind of the worst-case scenario imaginable, which is they've, they've been conquered by an outside army, they've been dispersed to the wind, and they've lost their homes, they've lost their zip codes, they've lost family and friends. They find themselves in a foreign land, in a place they don't even speak the language, right? Uh, ruled by kind of an oppressive regime. And Ezekiel in that place Uh, Talking to these people who have been completely cut off from everything that felt meaningful to them, uh, still unable to get over the fact that their own temple and holy city was destroyed, uh, are just sad to the bone. The the psalmist says that that their enemies would mock them and say, why don't you guys sing us some of those happy, clappy praise songs uh, we've heard so much about? And, And they said, we hung up our harps a long time ago. We can't sing the songs of God in a foreign land. These people don't even sing anymore. This is the darkness that they're walking through. And so Ezekiel tells us that one day when he was in kind of the spirit of the Lord, God led him to a place when I was reading this text this week and trying to make sense out of what am I reading here? What does it remind me of? The first thing that came to mind is it sounds a lot like a guided meditation. Oh, we have any headspace or calm users in the house, right? Here we go. Uh, I'm going to attempt uh, my very, like, bad um, Go at this, all right? So if you would, I'm going to lead you on the same kind of guided meditation that Ezekiel was led on. I wish I had that good yoga voice and knew all the smooth phrases, but let's just do this together. I think this is helpful for our time. But if you would, for just a second, maybe close your eyes. Settle into your chair. Get comfortable for a few seconds. Relax your shoulders and your jaw. I want you to imagine that you're in a deep valley. This valley is out in the desert somewhere. And um, it's the middle of the day. The sun is up high baking down on this burnt piece of creation. And you're all alone in the heat of the day at the bottom of a valley. And you begin to look up on your left at the cliffs and you realize they're so high and so steep that there's no way you're getting out over there. And so you look to the right and there on the right once again you see another steep cliff with no stairs or no access out of this valley. You begin to look all the way down north and behind you south and everywhere you turn and as far as you can see up and beyond you are you are closed in. You are stuck. You are at the bottom in the middle of all this heat uh, as you find yourself in the middle of this valley wondering how you got yourself here and if you'll ever get out of here you begin to look down and as you look down at your feet in the dust in the dirt you begin to make out what looks like a bone and something that's long been dead profoundly dry and cracked and bleached by the sun. And the closer you look at it, you start to wonder what kind of animal this might have been from. And as you glance a little further out, you see another bone and then another bone. And then all of a sudden, the horror of it, you, you see a skull, a human skull. And you immediately jerk your head away only to see countless bones in every direction. The human remains of thousands upon thousands of people just tossed around. You begin to wonder what could have possibly come among these people that they would suffer such a fate, not only to be Killed in this fashion, but then to be left in the dirt, to not be given a proper burial. What shame must have they had participated in? To be this despised. This, um, you can open your eyes again. Um, I haven't had that guided meditation on calm or headspace yet. Most of the meditations that I've been led on lead me to the most beautiful field or prairie of a cabin on the top of a hill, of a stream that's flowing beneath. Can you hear the water, right? And God says, I'm going to take you on a trip, Ezekiel. I want to show you something. And he takes him to this horrible scene. And he says, I want you to look. Open your eyes. I want you to see everything around you. Take it all in. Uh, Debbie Thomas, one of my favorite preachers, says that Lent is the season that we give death its due. And here in the fifth week in the season of Lent, uh, we're invited to give death its due as well. We're invited to look at the place that we would rather not look, the place that we would uh, choose to ignore and not even watch a documentary about, right? This is the kind of scene that is being laid out in front of us. And you know, most of uh, church history, our, ourselves included, when we read this text, most of us, when we read it, we hear, um, we hear the heartache and the pain in it, yeah, of, of these bones that have been sort of dispersed all over this valley desert floor. But what most people assume is that these must be the bodies of Israel. These, these must be the folks who died under Nebuchadnezzar, the one who had sort of beat them up and shipped them out and murdered their family and take, took over their land. We assume that these are uh, Ezekiel's kind of like aunts and uncles and grandparents and parents and those who came before him and experienced this horror, that these are the very real bodies of those people. But God gives Ezekiel a bit of a decoder ring about two-thirds of the way through this vision. As Ezekiel's just like, you know, revulsed, repulsed by like what he's seeing and trying to look away and squirm out of this scene that he's been given, God says, I want you to look because what you're seeing right now is the whole house of Israel. He says, these aren't people who have physically died. Um, These are your people who are still very much in some sense alive. That this is who you are. This is how it is right now. This is a profound picture of what life is really like. Right? Sometimes an image is so strong in this way. This week, Maggie sent in our weekly email, I don't know if you saw this, but um, this incredible interview that Rick Rubin did with Krista Tippett on Being, and at the end, I was like, give him the teaser about the pro wrestling bit, right? And uh, in it, at the end, uh, Rick Rubin has this fascination with pro wrestling, and he says it's one of the great metaphors for life, right? Essentially what he says is this thing that we think is actually really fake is mirroring back to us who we are. That We can never really decipher the difference between who's the real person in this character and what's the performance. And this is what all of our lives look like all the time, which is why he believes pro wrestling is one of the most profound art forms of our day. Right? <laughs> That's the power of a good story, of a good image, of a good metaphor. Many scholars say that this is one of the greatest metaphors in all of human literature. It's given birth to whole genres of film and creativity like zombie movies, right? This, uh, we can't stop wrestling with this image That, that our people, our friends, our family, our very selves, that though we may look alive, that the truest picture of who we are is these bones spread out dry beyond dry, dead a long time ago, nothing left here. In fact, he... God says, Listen to them. I mean, what bones speak, right? Listen to what they're saying. And as Ezekiel listens to these bones, what he hears these bones crying out is they're saying, We are all dried up. We are without hope. Our lives are finished. He says, These are your people, this is your country. This, this is what it sounds like to listen to your kids right now. These aren't people who died a long time ago. This is how it is right now. Daniel uh, Berrigan says it this way. He says that, um, that you are miming the living. That you're skin on, but you are spiritless. This is the state of affairs for your people. And he wants us to look at it. He wants Ezekiel to look at it. And so this morning, as we've been kind of preparing for this time, that we would be together and we would hear this profound image and we would be invited to look again. I I wonder when you look at your life, where there's dry bones. I wonder where in this room today are those death valleys, and I am sure that they exist. I wonder how many of us feel like we're living somewhere between the living and the dead, so deep in a canyon we can't ever imagine getting out again, so dry we can't remember what it was like to feel truly embodied, connected to our emotions. So God says to Ezekiel, ask him this, Really painful question. It says, can these bones live? Standing, looking at this, you think these bones can live again? Another way of saying this is, you think you think these people could ever recover? You think they could ever find life and joy again on the other side of what's happened to them? Is there any hope for these people, for your people, for you? In many ways, this is the question of the not only the entire Old Testament, but it's a question of all humanity, at least if you've put a few miles on this place, right? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel replies back, Lord God, only you know. I got no idea. And so then um, God says to Ezekiel, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy over these bones. I want, to, I want you to speak to these bones. I want you to address the dead. Right. And, uh, and like Ezekiel, many of us, if you've ever been in that position, sitting on the other side of someone who's skin on but spiritless, somebody who's been so dry for so long that you yourself look at them and go, can these bones live? Only God knows. And then God says, well, I want you to speak up and say something to them. Which is like the most overwhelming position. I know that because I find myself in that seat often. People in the middle of a death valley and you're wondering, what words can we say? In fact, we, I have a great cop-out. Many of us have used it. We just say, there are no words for this moment. And yet God says, nope, there's words, try Try. You're going to say something to these bones. And usually, what I say, what we say, we say stuff like, um, this is so hard. You should. You just really need to take care of yourself. You need to get some rest. Be gentle with yourself. This is a season like to eat better. Maybe try yoga. Have you downloaded Headspace before?" I heard about this incredible retreat center you might want to go to, and we just know when we're saying it that it's so ridiculous. Thankfully, we're given the words to say. He looks at Ezekiel. He says, "Prophesy to the bones." He's like, "What would I? What do you say to the dead?" He says, "This is what I want you to tell them. I'm going to open your grave." That the God of creation will open the grave that you find yourself in. That I will put my breath inside of you and you will live again. You tell these bones, you tell these people of yours that the God who created them is going to open up their graves and breathe God's spirit back in them and they will live again. give you some good news this morning.
1: Um,
0: this isn't just sort of the lovely ending of a guided meditation. This isn't just the, the imagined voice of God. This is the very real voice of God. We see in the Gospels that Jesus himself is the one who enters the valley of our death and prophesies to our dead bodies and spirits through his living body and spirit, and brings us back to life. This morning's gospel text is John 11, story of Lazarus, where Jesus walks up to a grave and says, Lazarus, come out. And he gets up, and he walks out. In front of his sisters, who had said he'd been dead four days, and in the King James, he stinketh much. Please leave him where he is, right? In the epistle lesson this morning, Romans chapter 8, Paul, talking to a church, he looks at these people living on the other side of Christ's death and resurrection, and he says to them, if the same spirit that was in Jesus that raised him from the dead is now in you, surely that spirit can breathe new life into your mortal bodies. This isn't just um, the end of a guided meditation, it's the very voice of our God speaking to all those who find themselves in Death Valley, dried up, feeling like their days of joy are long behind them. This short text has this one Hebrew word in it, uh, ruach, or ruach, uh, ten times. It's a Hebrew word that gets translated as breath and spirit, right? Over and over and over again, God's reminding Ezekiel, who put the breath in you in the first place? Which of you took your dusty selves and breathed life into you, right? None of you did. This is the work of God. This is what I do. I take breath and I put it into dry, dusty, dead things, and I make them come to life. And so this morning, as we sit with this powerful image and allow it to do its work, inviting us to look at long-ago dead spaces that we have tried to make peace with and and once again give death its due in the season of Lent, and remember that this is not what you were made for, this sort of living, this sort of way of being, that we would look hard at those dead places in ourselves and in each other, among us, in our culture, and that we would be invited to to hope again. And and so this morning, as we try to embody this uh, deeply embodied metaphor, it felt appropriate that we would end our time with what's called a breath prayer. Some of you may have experienced this before. It's just a simple way that the church has been praying since the third century. But often it's a, a short mantra that on the inhale you would have a phrase that you would bring to mind. You'd hold your breath for a few moments and then on the exhale, another phrase, right? So the most famous breath prayer would be, Lord Jesus Christ, inhale, have mercy on me, a sinner. Exhale. It's a great Lenten prayer. Inhale, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's something about connecting our bodies to our prayer um, that feels um, wildly healing. So this morning, the breath prayer that I want to invite you into is just the, the exchange that Ezekiel had with God on the inhale that we would say, can these bones live? And on the exhale, Lord God, only you know. Inhale, can these bones live? And as we exhale, Lord God, only you know. Inhale, exhale.